This is the podcast for August 6, 2010. It's not safe for work. It's the Blue and Discuss Podcast. Rock Me Sexy Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Take one. Rock Me Sexy Podcast. You know, one thing that happened this week is that David Stockman and Alan Greenspan disowned supply-side economics. <laughs> I know. Is, All of a sudden. A, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a little late. Well, As, you know, go ahead. You say that like, you know, this week the sun rose in the West. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this week the entire conservative universe reversed itself. The, the last holdouts yep. of supply-side economics basically said this is a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, Barack Obama's doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is and, shocking. I mean, from the standpoint, yeah. you know, this is this is when, when, as Chris Matthews said, you know, a gaffe in Washington is when someone speaks the truth yeah. by accident. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, of course, David Stockman's article was was a thought-out tome, yeah. you know, in the it New York it Times. Wasn't, it wasn't uh, Tom Cruise. No, no. And, and you know, those people opening their paper expecting to read something reasoned by David Brooks really did have their foundation shook a little bit. I mean, I think that's the case. But it also, as I, I said at my blog, gives, you know, the Bush 41 Country Club Republicans an out for, uh-huh. you know, not going along with sh- the Sharon Angles and, and even the John Boehners. <laughs> But that was something that I wanted to bring up with you that I don't know whether you've considered before, which is we often talk about the dislike of the American media for even mentioning class uh-huh. in the context of things like the Shirley Sherrod episode. You know, that she was talking about class in her speech. Yes, she was. But there's another side to that coin, which is the division of class within the Republican Party. Uh-huh. And the fact that David Brooks belongs to a completely different class than Sharon Engel. Yes, he does. And there is this divide within the Republican Party between country club Republicans uh-huh. and, who are, you know, going to vote for Obama. I mean, I really think a lot of them did over probably putting probably. Sher- putting Sarah Palin five minutes from the button. You know. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd include Andrew Sullivan in that crowd. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oxford, absolutely. You know, yeah. Thatcherites, snob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Sullivan. Yeah. But that crowd, that crowd of, you know, uh, intellectual elite, as the, at least that's how they view themselves, Republican mm-hmm. thinkers. But they've are, been, they are not willing to admit, you've, you've talked about how they're not willing to admit they've been wrong for 30 years. They're also not willing huh. to admit, apparently, that their perspective on politics has been completely destroyed by the rabble within their own party. Well, and that's that's the great irony of their existence. Yeah. Which is they are the sorcerer's apprentice who created that rabble. Yes, exactly. You know, they are the people exactly. who built, who, who gave intellectual structure and direction and basically suppressing fire mm-hmm. to all those liberals who were saying, you know, you're building a party out of Klansmen and idiots and fundamentalists and freaks and, and that's maybe your that's base. a really bad idea yeah yeah in fact i'm working on a post right now that says you know there's nothing there's nothing sifting around inside their mushy skulls except that sparkly aluminum sand that the good people at ohio arts use to make etch-a-sketches wow 
because it's true. Yeah. The great gift of and and the thing that that I find I, sad and funny from a certain point of view and ironic and tragic in the end is that both both of those groups are the children of Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Because yeah. Ronald Reagan gave gave to Republicans one great gift, and that's the gift of forgetting. Yep. They just, you know, they just shake, Isn't it shake, ironic? Shake. It was a person. I mean, I don't mean to make fun of anyone yeah. facing Alzheimer's, but it is kind right. of ironic right. that the the forgetting. His great, his great yeah. legacy is yeah. if you just if political you just Alzheimer's. You shake know. your head a little ways. Lee Atwater never existed. Yeah, the Southern strategy. George never W. Existed. Bush never existed. Yeah. George W. Bush was the greatest president ever. Mm-hmm. You filthy commie, yeah. you know, bastards. Mm-hmm. Until he becomes a uh, an embarrassment too big to ignore. Then shake, shake, shake. He never existed. Yeah. We, yeah. we never voted for him. And and the irony is that both classes of the Republican Party do this. Yeah, yeah. The 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 rabble do it to erase their own humiliating. Incompetence and their failure, and yep. their because they supported George W. Bush and they screamed for Clinton's impeachment, and they've been wrong forever. But the upper class uses exactly the same double think tricks to forget the fact that they built this base. Exactly that their this is their base that they benefited from forever. Yeah, for, because they knew they could never win. Not an even election thirty years, fifty years. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, absolutely. It went all the way back to you know Nixon days, pre-Nixon yeah. days, mm-hmm. to the Southern strategy, and they knew they were doing. They knew what they were doing, but they knew they could never, ever, ever win an election with just Thurston Howell III right. and George W. Right. Bush and James right. Baker. They needed the, the Confederacy. And, but the, needed- but the terrible problem then is that all of a sudden, this rabble in their party, because of the twenty-four hour cable news cycle, uh-huh. is the voice of their party. It used right. to be Which, that Thurston Howell III was the voice of the Republican mm-hmm, Party sure. on Sunday morning, and that was it. And that's ignore, all you had. Ignore those people, the rabble behind, behind the curtain. Behind the they're, curtain. They're not really there. They're not really crazy. They're not really a fringe. And now, and, the, and the, the ultimate horror to both classes, to both these groups, is there was one group of people who was completely right about this all along. And those were called liberals. Liberals. <laughs> the liberals were the people who were saying, you're building yourself a fucking monster, and right. it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. It's going to take this country down. It's a horrible thing. You're reconstructing the Confederacy and giving and putting Ronald Reagan's face on the front of it, and you're making it TV-friendly racism. And that's a terrible thing to do. It is. And it we is. were told, Well, and there up, are people talking down. about... You know, withdrawing from the union now. This is what is so astonishing. Like, what the hell? That worked out so well for you last time. (laughs) But once you once you unleash hell, yeah. Once you once you decide there's no limit. Well, once you once you accept the premise that no matter how horribly we behave, no matter how many gingriches and delays we put in charge of things, and then forget about once we once we accept the fact that doing horrible things as a means to an end. And then, shake, 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 our solution is to forget we ever did it mm-hmm. or deny it or create a false equivalence with a fake left. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that that process is acceptable, is acceptable to the people at the top and the middle and the bottom. There is no limit to what that process can be applied to. Right. It can be applied to Ronald Reagan giving a racist speech mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Ronald Reagan winning the White House on the backs of imaginary welfare queens, Ronald Reagan running a racist campaign to become president, which no conservative will ever acknowledge he ever did, because they applied the process. Just yeah. forget about it. Deny, deny, deny. It never exists. Well, Sharon Engel looks at that and says, well, why shouldn't I pretend 
Right. The press is here. Why shouldn't I do the same thing? And, That's and my, that, it's only the friendly press that I talk to. Or why shouldn't right. Sarah Palin just run the entire country from Facebook? It's and that the is same thing. That is Ronald Reagan's bequest to the conservative mm-hmm. movement. This mm-hmm. process by mm-hmm. which you do something ridiculous, evil, and outrageous. You forgive yourself, and all your friends pretend it never happened. Yeah. And i got to believe part of it comes from Ronald Reagan being the child of an alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what you yeah. learn in an alcoholic family. Is Deny how, and walk away. and I pretend it never happened. Pre- smile yep, and make smile pancakes. Smile everybody. Exactly. exactly. Everything's fine. And, and yep. he has built a whole party based on alcoholic denialism yeah. gone wild yeah. and again once you've denied that that george bush leo atwater was the bad guy but george bush gave him his job yeah right once you, why, why not say barack obama was responsible for the collapse of the economy why not why not say barack obama is is a kenyan why mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. because everything mm-hmm. is open because nothing's real anymore it's whatever you can assert because at the end of the day we're going to shake 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 our little mushy skulls and it's all going to disappear into history. And the only people who are going to remember anything are those bitter, angry liberals who are a bunch of dirty commies anyway. So who listens to them? Yep. Just to add to that, um, I was really astonished. I sent you an article, and I, we talked about it in the pregame, about the 80s from Esquire magazine. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. just mentioned very briefly as an aside that the Tea Partiers are nihilists. Yes. And that really jumped out at me as, wow, that's exactly right. They're really yes. against everything Everything. Mm -hmm. and so it's perfectly acceptable to have a congress that does nothing but filibuster to have someone obstructing even their own ideas is really a poison on our on our culture and our government you know it it gives me hope because i think that really is going to backfire i was thinking last night about one of my favorite movies in the world is three days of the condor with Robert Redford back in the yeah. 70s. Yeah. And remember that speech? Cliff Holy Robertson. Stone. Cliff Robertson. Cliff Robertson. He's, Cliff he's, Robertson, that's right. He's given the documents to the New York fucking Times. That's right. He's given that's them right. to. And I was just thinking about it last night, Cliff Robertson's speech to Robert Redford at the end where he gives... Robert Redford has given all of the proof of all of this malfeasance on the part of intelligence agencies to the New York Times. And Cliff Robertson, as the FBI agent, says, well, what happens if they don't print it? And, you know, Robert Redford is kind of shocked by that. His innocence is taken away from him. And and Cliff Robertson gives this wonderful speech about what happens if people who have never known hunger and never known what it's like to be cold all of a sudden are hungry and cold. They're not going to care about our little intelligence games and who we bomb and who we, you know, who we hit and who we take care of. They're just going to want us to go out and get it. Go out and get it for us. And I think that encapsulates the huge difference between 6% unemployment and 11% unemployment. You've got that, you've got that 5% that's not used to this. It's not used to being uh, a ward of the state or needing food stamps or needing a job or needing, or losing their house or needing health care. And, you know, they lost their health insurance because they've lost Uh their jobs. And they're not, this is not, the hand that they were dealt at the beginning, and all of a sudden they, the cards have been taken away. And they've been taught that people who need help, people who don't have health insurance, people who have to use food stamps, are miserable, lazy sinners. Bums, exactly. Who don't deserve, who only deserve the back of your hand. Yep. And now they're them. Yeah. And there's exactly. no way to reconcile those realities other than finding somebody to blame. 
And that's what Fox News gives them. And that's what they're trying really hard to do. We're going to blame immigrants. We're going to blame – but then, you know, it's gotten to the point where they keep having to up the ante. And all of a sudden, it's gotten to the point where we have to not only blame uh, the gays, which, you know, the the gays – kind of won the war yesterday i <laughs> think did. with prop eight they dropped the big one they yeah. dropped the big one and and uh the fact that they had you know george w bush's lawyer from bush v gore arguing this case and arnold schwarzenegger saying i'm not going to do anything about this because this law is wrong and uh-huh. you know it's sort of this is so stacked but also you know fox news has upped the ante and now said that babies are to blame uh-huh. it's not yes. just immigrants it's, you know, it's and their it's their babies. And that just flies against, you know, and, and this idea that, you know, American soil, you all of a sudden have to attack American soil, uh-huh. that a baby born on American soil isn't necessarily American. Well, that's an attack on the power of the soil. Uh-huh. The, the American landscape no longer uh-huh. confers power on people. Right. And that's, right. that's really... Pushing people uh, off the cliff, mm-hmm. you know, as as John Amato's John Amato and Dave Neward spoke over the cliff. You you're pushing people to the point where some, as you have said, there's a torque, and something has to snap. Uh-huh. I think it's going to snap to the point where a lot of people just stay home. But and, and and you know, I don't particularly think that anti-incumbent furor is a bad thing this year. You know, John Stewart said it's not as if the Democrats aren't pussies. You know, <laughs> they need a wake-up right. call too. He's right. But I'm if if the House goes Republican this year, uh, I'm going to start blogging about knitting. I just kind of had it. Yeah. I can't yeah, cover. Does. I can't cover two years of of hearings. Yeah. I uh, well, and, you know, and you know, you you talked about the, a callback to the '80s. That's that's a callback to the '90s. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. we're going to go through this whole thing. And, we're going to filibuster and, everything and have uh, well, investigations hearings. as to you know. We're going yeah. to call the president of the United States and we're going to subpoena White House staff. And and you know, at that point, there's a certain weird mystical perfection to that. Yeah. Because then the circle will be complete. Mm-hmm. Because the same douchebags who were screaming for Clinton's blood and who were totally okay with subpoenas and hearings and and, and endless, endless 140 hours of hearings um, I'm sorry 10 days 140 hours of testimony on Clinton's Christmas card list yeah yeah suddenly are the same people who fell silent for eight long years under Bush yeah you know and when anybody ever threatened to subpoena anybody anybody remember the only time George Bush ever testified to anything was behind closed doors with no testimony taken, no notes taken, no oath taken, while sitting on Dick Cheney's lap about Mm 9-11. No other White House person other than Alberto Gonzalez was dragged in front of a hearing room, and and answers were never demanded. There was never an impeachment hearing. I can't recall. I can't recall. I can't recall. I can't recall. Okay. Well, never mind. Yeah. And that was was the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. And for the same people who were shrieking for Clinton's blood, that was totally cool for eight years, because, you know, you got to love your commander-in-chief. you got to support him. Now... You know, if the House flips Republican and they start, you know, spewing subpoenas, the same people who were silent for eight years and the same people who were screaming for Clinton's blood will come right back out of the woodwork and demand to know. And Fox will do, you know, do their job. Yeah. Richard Mellon Scaife did Mm -hmm. with the Arkansas project. Somebody will write big fat checks to whatever the equivalent of is of the American Spectator this time around 
and say, go and find something. Yep. Fucking invent something. Make some shit up. And they'll just keep ginning up scandal after scandal after scandal. And the same no-neck, mouth-breathing imbeciles that have been created and bolted to the conservative movement by people like David Brooks and Andrew Sullivan and the conservative intelligentsia will, will love it. It'll give them someone to hate. And yep. when you're when you're out of work and you have no health care and you can't blame the people who are actually fucking you because those are the people that you elected, right. you look for a victim. And who better than the Kenyan usurper and two years of bread and circuses for morons? So, yeah. So there you that's go. What Repub- so welcome back to the 90s, ladies and gentlemen. I'm yeah. worried about the midterms. Me too. And I wonder if what I'm worried about is actually just a symptom of the disease of being a politics and news junkie. As opposed to real concern, as some, right. you know that I was thinking you're about getting, that tonight. You're that, getting a false positive from. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was thinking about tonight. I've been home this week, so I've had cable, and my kids are coming home tomorrow night. So I've had you know evenings to myself to watch whatever I want. You know what? You know what that's like. But I usually don't. I just stare out the window at the <laughs> why it's so broken and why sad. Why is it so broken and sad? That's, that's my cable TV, but that's please. Your, well, you know, that's I was thinking about that last night. Wow, I've watched six solid hours of media, of political media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm wondering if I'm just kind of losing my perspective or losing my religion or something. I don't know. But I wonder... You know, given that, and, and, you know, Chris Matthews can bring up the 14th Amendment, and I know what that is. Keith Olbermann can bring up the Rand Corporation, and I know what that is. You, right. don't, you know what I mean? It's like there's all shared, these kind of referential things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I consider yeah. myself, like most daily show viewers, to be yeah, <laughs> highly savvy, savvy in terms uh-huh. of day-to-day current events, understanding the cultural references that are used in talking about current events. I expect our listeners are off the charts in terms of really getting what's happening in the world and what the social and ethical and and literary context that we try to put things in. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I just I like- wonder about, the fact is that it's not just going to be us voting in November, uh, damn it. It's not yeah. just going to be my people, Drift Glass. Well, I'd like to add yeah. that there is a certain insularity mm-hmm. around when you listen to any sort of in-group talk among itself. Right, right. Among themselves, there's a certain insularity to it, mm-hmm. and that's a little disturbing. And it's and disturbing, exactly. And I, I want to make sure that I'm not as insular as uh-huh. the average Fox News viewer who only turns on Fox. And, of course, you know, the fact that I go through Media Matters every day and go through Crooks and Liars every day and I'm... On the yeah. internet enough, I know what Rush Limbaugh said today. You know, I know what Sean Hannity's latest outrage is. You know, I had enough sure. contextual understanding about Laura Ingram to really enjoy watching Stephen Colbert destroy her book last night. <laughs> well, that's see that that's that was just for you, I guess. Yeah. Oh, Stephen. Well, you know, you. so much that Stephen does is just for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I notice how he pulls on that one good ear. Yeah, yeah, that's show, that's like for Blue Gal. That's for the Blue Gal, my imaginary boyfriend, Stephen Colbert. Yes, yes, but well, but I am asking a question here. All that you and I and our listeners know about politics in America, uh-huh. and know about current events, and being very well educated 
listeners, but also having that insularity of just dealing with it from the perspective of reality, I like to call yeah. it. Well, <laughs> you know, fact based. I'm going to have to disagree with you. Okay, now. go ahead. I, I want pushback on this. Absolutely. I cut you off and disagree with you. Just, be, uh, just about us, I think. Cut, your, cut her mic. <laughs> cut her mic. No, precisely the opposite. Um, I, you know, I, I, I consume a lot of media myself. I consume a lot more written media, but mm-hmm. I consume a lot of media about culture and religion and politics and belief and organizational you know, psychology and a whole bunch of stuff. And I can tell you that the rarest thing in media to, is to find the outlet or the people or the group that talks across multiple domains. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Explain what you mean what, by a domain. What do you a domain mean by would that? be like if you're if you're talking. To, let's say the topic is labor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Odds are you're going to find three groups of people talking about labor. You're going to find policy wonks who talk in in acronyms mm-hmm. and budget lines and outcomes that is that are incomprehensible to average intelligent people they make no sense to the outside world so they can't they're, they're incapable of communicating their message so these people aren't gonna aren't gonna break through to the average person mm-hmm. the outlets for people to have conversations around important topics are extraordinarily limited okay so you're gonna find one outlet for professional geeks who want to talk about a professional stuff mm-hmm. you're gonna find union people who are bitching about their contract and mm-hmm. you know if we if we've gotten this clawback clause let me tell you last year when we negotiated happens every year, every two years with Chicago Teachers Union, mm-hmm. who, to whom I'm very sympathetic, generally, but they don't know how to talk to the public. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. no concept of how to break out of their own little contract negotiation, labor management, constant warfare vocabulary, and actually talk to people about the issues that they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then you have the right, who talks about labor really simply. Unions are evil. Mm-hmm. Unions are evil. Mm-hmm. Unions want to destroy you. Well, there's the problem. If, if anybody wants to have a serious conversation around an important topic, the people who know the most about it are almost always the least qualified to communicate mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think we do particularly well, I'm a little biased, obviously, but I think we do particularly well is to, is to we, every week we, we try to pick a topic or two or three that, that can be fairly complicated or sophisticated mm-hmm. and not dumb it down because God knows nobody wants to listen to dumb people talk dumbly about dumb issues on on unless you're on the right in which case you get off on that mm-hmm. but 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 nobody wants to hear people regurgitate acronyms right and, which is which is a lot of you know if you, if you cut over to you know the Ezra Kleins of the world who are perfectly fine people you cut across to the daily codes you're going to find lots and lots of data mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. nobody yeah. explaining what the hell it means or putting it in any context and that's what the mainstream media used to do and was supposed to do is mm-hmm. contextualize these mm-hmm. things, and that's what scares the crap out of me about politics: is that nobody is providing any kind of rational context for issues mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. There are the people who've hunkered down on the Fox side of things, to whom all you know all hope is lost. Um, there's no way you're going to convince those people that Barack Obama is an American, right. that Barack Obama doesn't hate America, that unions are not to destroy everything. And, and it doesn't matter the amount of how much data you bring to bear or how sophisticated your language or how complicated or how simple or how how carefully you hedge your message. They're lost. And then there's the people on the left who sort of get it and who are back again to doing what the left is really terrible at, which is talking among themselves. Right. And then you have people in the middle who are going to wake up a week before the election and grab a fistful of flyers and try to figure out what the hell's going on in their country. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. are the people that scare the hell out of me. Right. Because those are the people that, unless... Well, they can have, be propagandized into doing whatever. 
easily. In the last week before the election. That's especially if they're afraid. Right. And especially or if they're feeling well, out of a job. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can stand behind them and say boo mm-hmm. and force them to jump in completely the wrong direction. And uh, you, you brought up labor, so I want to, I'm just going to segue right into that, which is there are events that occur that crystallize issues for people. And I've noticed that this year in particular with dead miners mm-hmm. you know, and dead oil workers. When workers die on the job, uh, just doing their job, and it's corporations who, who apparently obey the law, which there is no law to regulate safety in these instances, uh-huh. or they skirt the law and just pay the fine as part of the cost of doing business in order to increase profits. When Rand Paul came out this week and said, well, you know, you guys are the experts here as far as mountaintop removal and mining is concerned, so I don't think Washington, D.C. should be telling you what to do in terms of safety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. like, but if Washington, D.C. doesn't tell mining companies what to do, they won't do anything. That's the point, Mm -hmm. is that they will do nothing because it cuts into their profits to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do, you know, Washington, D.C. is is not some faraway place. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the capital of our country there where the law comes from. Well, but that's and you've just you've just put your finger on the problem. Yep. Which is whenever there's a guy or a man or a woman in the White House with a D after their name. Yeah. Washington Republicans is feel Republicans feel absolutely free to unleash the. You know, we are living in occupied territory mm-hmm, rhetoric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These aren't you know, the people who are in D.C. If we didn't vote for them, if we don't win, then the government in Washington is illegitimate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we don't have to listen to what they say. And we can call them criminals and we can call them monsters and we can call them bastards. And you know what? First of all, they should be free to do that. Yeah. Let's let's be very clear. In a First Amendment, you should be able to free whatever you, you should be free to say whatever you choose, mm-hmm. but you should be held to account for whatever you choose. Now, when, when liberals, such as me, were holding the Bush administration to the fire, feet to the fire, and calling them war criminals, yep. you know what? That's because they'd actually committed war crimes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't some word we pulled out right. of our ass or that Rush Limbaugh looked up on his hate speech lexicon right. and said, here's a scary word we can call Republicans. Let's call them war criminals. No, it's because the Bush administration actually had war criminals. Mm-hmm. The Bush administration actually were traitors to America. Yep. They actually betrayed the the, the most fundamental A working CIA country. agent was outed by it's administration up. officials. Yeah. And they did that knowingly. Yeah. And they established oh, yeah. secret prisons. And they tortured people. And they lied about it. And they lied us into a war. Yeah. And we can have a, a separate And the sec- there's proof that the Secretary of State knew that was happening. And the people of goodwill and sound judgment can look at the outing of a CIA agent out of petulance and for political reasons by a White House hell-bent on a war that they wanted to pursue on the basis of lies – that that was a that you can have a conversation around the mechanics of what happened, but you can't avoid the fact that it happened, and you can't avoid the fact that the people who did it were war criminals, mm-hmm. were traitors, that they should have been tried for treason yeah. and treated like the traitors that they are. Mm-hmm. Now we had a long history of holding White Houses to account for the most trivial things. Mm-hmm. Just eight years prior, yes. these same people were were their hair was on fucking fire for seven years mm-hmm. over everything, over Clinton's Christmas card list, over who visited who, over the travel office, over stuff that was would have been a rounding error yeah. in any given day in the Bush White House. And the Republicans were completely at liberty, felt completely free to call Bill Clinton a liar and a rapist and a traitor based on nothing. Yeah. That's the difference. 
when liberals critique the Bush administration, it was based on the things they were actually doing. And it drove Republicans crazy because mm-hmm. Republicans backed these morons and these criminals and losers, and they can't bear that fact yeah. now. That horrifies them. So they have gone completely insane. They really they have. have. Simply, they have simply separated rhetoric from reality completely, and they just pull words out of their ass and throw them up on the wall and see if they stick. And and the problem is there are 20 to 30 Americans in this country who are 20, 30%, yeah. Who are absolutely brain-dead Rush Limbaugh worshipping, Sean Hannity dick-licking scum for whom that works. Yeah. So every fucking election is a fight over the dimwit middle. The people who can't be bothered to pay attention to politics until a week before the election and they want they want to listen to David Brooks because they don't want the angry. Oh, the angry makes them so mad. So why can't people just be reasonable about things? Right. So, and those people, there's, there's no way around the fact that those people are looking at the midterm elections going, well, you know, we gave that black guy a couple, couple years and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I have friends who are unemployed and we need to change something in this country and throw those darn bastards out. I'm overtaxed. I'm pushed too far. That, that whiny mm-hmm. put upon rhetoric is working real well with the dimwits in the middle. Mm-hmm. And they're going to vote themselves, you know. Well, I think it depends. I'm going to I'm going to cut your mic for a minute. <laughs> Disagree. Please do. Please do. In that, it, in that, I think issue. the dimwits in the middle that wake up and say, "Wow, the face of the Republican Party is Sarah Palin and Sharon Engel," mm-hmm. and especially Sharon Engel this week, you know, being not only evil, stupid, and crazy, but really deluded. She really seemed to be on drugs this week. Just. Yeah. You know, well, you know, we want the press to be our friends and do what we want. And you know that she had was parroting what Her the aunt. guy from the GOP, mm-hmm. from the national GOP who had been sent to save her campaign, mm-hmm. told her. Mm-hmm. And he thought but, she was smart enough to mm-hmm. know, don't go out and say that. This is just mm-hmm. uh, this is background so that you know what we're doing what our strategy is do you, do you remember when bush senior read his stage directions yeah yeah message we care oh i wasn't supposed <laughs> to say message was i it's just the we care part yeah she's reading her stage directions yeah yeah you know here's what we want sharon we want the press to be pliant little you know butt lickers just like you know think of dick cheney and and uh pumpkin head yeah the think, way think of me, could... dick cheney on meet the press absolutely okay. for the people who look up from their kindles and ipads to notice politics for the for the week before the election, Sharon Angle's a turnoff, and yes. Prop Eight is a turnoff, mm-hmm. and anything that's sort of interfering with their sense of themselves as too cool for that. Racism is well, a turnoff. Overt yeah, racism is. is a turnoff. It is. It is. And there's also the disease of Blagojevism. Yeah. Blagojevism, <laughs> which is Sharon Angle is simply saying out loud what Republicans say in private. Yeah. She made the yeah. mistake, like Rod Blagojevich did, of, absolutely. Of, of in Illinois. Yeah. In her, in the, the corrupt governor who hoped to God is going to jail, mm-hmm. who said in his outside voice what you're only supposed to say in your inside yeah. voice. I'm, I'm, what do I get? What do I get yeah, for the mine, Senate seat? Mine. Right, yeah, right. This is effing golden. This is fucking golden. What do I get for it? And that's the way politics is played. In. It is played that way. And and, and the governor just, usually does uh, get something for 
appointing the right person to a Senate seat. Well, However, the, the basis of his defense was everybody does it. Mm-hmm. This is how it's done here. I didn't, didn't do anything other than any. Everybody, but you're not allowed say to say so because that he, he disrupts. That. You know. Yeah, but he didn't get on the stand and say it. But that's that was that was the that is his of, defense. Yes. Yeah. His his defense in the media has always been that. Yeah. And Sheriff Angle is essentially getting up and saying what Republicans say in private anyway, which is we don't want you know we want a weak. Right. We want to be able to govern from Facebook and Fox News, which is what right. Sarah Palin is doing. Completely unaccountable to anybody. Anyone right? else. Yeah. And, Including and, honesty and truth. <laughs> and the ultimate defense. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is where, you know, I get emails from from friends and colleagues, you know, with ha 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 conservative jokes. And I, I, I'm pretty thorough about pushing back in a friendly way because I want to I don't want to scare them off too badly. <clears throat> but the, the answer I always get when I point out, you know, Jesus, you know. Can you, I mean, these guys are really bad. They're really overt racist, or they're really desperate, or they're really crazy, or they're lying to themselves. Isn't it a tragedy that the Republican Party has become such a such a, a madhouse, mm-hmm. such an asylum? Really, there's nobody left in the Republican Party. How can you vote for these people? And you can actually hear an audible click in their head yeah. as they go, uh, both sides do it. Yep. And then change the subject. No, yep. both sides don't do it. No, 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 both sides do it. And what the people in the middle do... The, the dimwits in the middle do is they have that burned on the friggin' motherboard. Yep, both that's sides their, do it. Is their, that's default, their default position, position. right? And that's why that's why that's why people like David Brooks make me so angry mm-hmm. because Dave, people like David Brooks are put at the very pinnacle of American journalism to keep reinforcing the lie that there's always two positions, that both sides are always equally wrong, and in the middle is where you want to be. Mm-hmm. No, there is no middle ground between Sharon Angle and Sane. She's exactly, not. and you if can't you, go t- further toward the Sharon Angle insane part in order to balance out no. sanity. I think that's a wonderful place for us to stop. We want to thank our listeners, and particularly those people who are listening to us on iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate those of you who have rated our show. If you would like to do that, when you go to our show with the listings of episodes, at the bottom of the screen, there is a place to rate our show. and Rating our show actually increases the chances that more people will listen to it. So we deeply appreciate those of you who have done that already. And if you get a chance to do that this week, we would really be glad (laughs) that you did that. Um, And we've gotten some wonderful emails this week from listeners as well. Love getting your emails. Our email address is dgbgpodcast at gmail.com. That's dg for Drift Glass, bg for Blue Gal, podcast at gmail.com. We also need money, <laughs> and I, should, I, I shouldn't laugh when I say that. We need money uh, to continue this work, and it is work, and we're glad to do it, but we need your support. Uh, you can contribute to this podcast. We don't make any money doing it other than your contributions. The website address where you can listen to past episodes for free and also contribute is DGBG Podcast. That's again that's DG for Drift Class, BG for Blue Gal Podcast dot blogspot dot com. There's the mm-hmm. opportunity to contribute there and also listen to past episodes for free. We appreciate it greatly. If the Internet Kitty would like her kibble this week, she should seriously consider kicking in an in kind contribution. Perhaps some music. <laughs> This 
podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Driftglass Blue Gale Podcast.